0: The title of the message is Justified for a Purpose. You know, as we get into purpose and whatnot, I need you to understand that you're in a, in a battle. You're in a fight. Some of us may not realize that, but it's no less the truth. We're in a battle with our, for our families, our plans, the, the plans God has, our purpose. And I want to talk to you about the fight that happens to stop the purposes. Of God. You know, we're saved by God's grace. He's our father. But if you ever looked at God as judge, do you realize that we're justified on this earth? We're also justified in heaven, meaning that we have legal access, legal right to God. So that's kind of where I want to go with this and talk about some of the things that Satan uses to fight our plan and purpose. See, how many of you have ever prayed prayers and you knew that it was God's will, and yet you still, it didn't come to pass or it took a long time? Let me see your hands. Okay, well, that's pretty much all of us. If not, some of you need to start praying. (laughs) I want to kind of set the scene of what this looks like in heaven. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. And a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were opened. And when we look in Job, I just want to kind of set the scene for you. In Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says, One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that is going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, I'm sorry for the sniffling, by the way, my sinuses are. (laughs) Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a complete man of integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Now that's, no, they're accusations against a man like that. Now think about, this, is this still going on? This was happening, Job is believed to be the, the oldest book written in the Bible. Revelation tells us that there's coming a time in Revelation twelve ten. it says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. So that's the beginning and we see the end that that is still happening to this day. See, when Satan accuses, he will use evidence many times. Think about this with Abraham. God, when Satan goes before God and says, you know, Abraham, he lied, right? Don't, aren't you supposed to punish liars, God? You need to judge that. You, what about David, God? I just saw David had a lustful thought. Not to mention he carried it out. And on top of that, he plotted murder. Aren't you supposed to judge murderers? I thought you were a righteous judge. Then think of Peter. Satan might have went before God and said, Peter, the rock, really? Do you not know that he has cursed Jesus? Said they didn't even know him. But for all the people in there, doesn't the word of God, your word, God, say that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father in heaven? Does that sound like something Satan would do? Do you think possibly your name has come up in the courts of heaven? The issue is Satan and his foes are always trying to stop destinies and prayers to hinder the people of God, to hinder the purposes of God, to hinder the things of God. Now we know that God forgives, but we also know that Satan accuses. But this is how it works. Satan tries to play both parts. You see, a good prosecutor will hold up the, the the law before the judge and the jury, and condemn the person who's on trial. So he holds up the righteousness of God to God and to into all the, all of heaven to see, and he he shows he tries to bring out things that are in our life that are a detriment to our walk. See, our destinies have been established by God in heaven. There's a couple of books in the the Bible. There's the book of life, the book of remembrance, the book of tears. But there's a book in Psalms 139 verse 16 that many scholars say is called the book of destinies or the book of the living. And this is what it says. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. And every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Have you ever thought of that like... God knew that he would create you. He knew the plan, the purpose. He put it in a book. And then here you come on this earth. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work, that we should walk in them. That word workmanship is where we get the word poem. You are God's poem walking on the earth. God has a masterful plan for us. And listen, it's not some plan that, that we tell people just to boost up your self-esteem. No, God really has something that he wants you to do for his glory. He puts you here to carry out his work. This is the absolute highest calling in all of the land to do what the master, the king of kings has created us to do. The Bible says if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. Many times when God is maybe not answering your prayer, maybe we're seeking our own will. Now, we talk about plan and purpose. I think one of the keys is found in Psalms 139 verse 16. How do you find your your purpose? It says in verse 16 in the ESV, it says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Your unformed substance, you could say, is your DNA. So what is on the inside? What greatness has God put on the inside of you that he is trying to pull out of you? See, God has placed talents and desires for his glory, but some will use it for their glory. Many have been given the gift of speaking, and yet they go all the way around the world trying to disprove God or or curse God or all these things, trying to prove that he doesn't exist. Or what about musicians? Some of them have have, have gotten gr- great talent, and yet they go around singing against God or using that, that talent to glorify themselves. 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9 says, the God, the, Sharing the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he has given us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. See, God has given us, given us a plan and purpose, but we need to find it. The Bible also says in Philippians that God, his will is to is to both will and work in you for the good pleasure. So he gives you the will and he gives you the ability to work. How many may be struggling with just the peace of God? We're always struggling with the peace of God. That's God's way of kind of steering us along, if if so to speak, to get us into the things of God. Because sometimes we'll go after our own pleasure and God is saying, I need you to come here. And then that's where you can find the contentment of God. You saw, I heard about two weeks ago, there was someone that was preaching and it really struck me what he said. He said that he knew someone in high school and his plan and purpose, his purpose was to try to sleep, if you will, with as many people in high school as possible. Now that was his goal, that was his purpose, that was his desire. And that's a high school thing or a a, a childish thing, so to speak. But if you think about it, this is what he said that really struck me. He said, a goal or purpose is only as significant as the goal is good. So think about this. You can hit the nail on the head of purpose, but if the wood is rotten, it's pointless. How many people or following rotten purposes, rotten goals, and nothing is coming about, no fruit whatsoever. Listen, the only thing that you will have that will last is the impact that you make for eternity when you function in the plan and purpose that God has for you specifically on this earth. Now I want to base the text around Romans 8:28 and 30. I'm sorry, the message says that we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, in whom he predestined, he also called, in whom he called, he justified, in whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, this is a picture of the eternal plan of life, but there's also life application here. The life application aspect, Paul brings out five things. Now, listen, we just talked about our plan and purpose is decided in heaven. It's in a book. And through the foreknowledge of God, foreknowledge means God knew everything. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. So he knew when he created you, if you would choose to follow him or live for him or not. He knew if you would choose to follow his plan or not. Because people get the predestination thing, meaning God selected certain people to go to heaven and selected certain people to go to hell. The problem with that is if you have the, the angels, remember the angels, they threw in their lot with Satan, a third of them, and followed them. So you're telling me that God gave angels free will and not his own human beings. Let me ask you something. Would you like to be in a relationship with someone that says, you have to love me or else? How many do you think would be, that'd be a good relationship? You know that over-possessive guy or girl that's like, who you talk to today? You have to love me, right? Do you think God is like that? No. He knows what you're going to pick. He, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that whosoever, it's an open invitation. But God knows, see the foreknowledge is God knows who's going to decide to choose him. Point number two, he predestined us. Through the, the foreknowledge of God, he predestined a plan for us to come and, and do on this earth. Remember, according to Timothy, it says, because of his own purpose and grace, he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Through the foreknowledge of God, he, saw our, he, he gave us a plan and a purpose, and this is what we must fulfill on the earth. It's very simple. Let me ask you something. Have you seen a specific grace on your life that is particularly strong? <laughs> Amen. Is, but that with that grace, is it pointing you to your purpose? That can happen by doors being opened. All of a sudden, you're like, man, this guy has a, a certain grace. I can see it on him, right? Or in other words, do you enjoy something? Is, is it something that you're really good at and you feel as if It can be used in the kingdom of God. Listen, maybe you're wired for business. Maybe, you know, you think of business plans. Maybe you see something and you figure out ways. That's your joy to keep it going, to grow it. Maybe God has wired you for that. So the question is, what is the purpose in that? And how can it be used for the kingdom of God? So, and let me say this. If God has already known to the begin, from the beginning, God's not going to give you a plan and purpose and you're going to kick and scream the whole time. remember in, in your unformed substance, in other words, what has God placed on the inside of you that you want to carry out your that purpose that you want to you want to do it right No now some some people are not even thinking in that realm like I'm just trying to exist I'm just trying to get through life <laughs> That's where you need to tap in to the plan and purpose because with that gives you rejuvenation knowing that, man, I'm doing something for the kingdom of God. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Listen, failing to see the purpose part of the verse will keep you, make you despise the all things in the first part of the verse. If you just look at the all things, you will be very discouraged. Some people get buried in the all things. Everything is coming down upon me. It's one thing after another and after another. That Those all things are preparing you for the second part of the verse, for the purpose that God has for you. The all things could be the door of opportunity opening in your favor. You know, when you lose your job, that could be the door opening up to walk in the purpose or the place that God has for you. So when you see things that way as a purpose and a plan, God's not in heaven and he doesn't do oops. My bad, I didn't see that coming. Listen, God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Listen, I can look at miscarriages. I can look at the death of my dad, the struggle, all of those things, the all things, and realize there's great purpose in that. I, I mean, I, you may not be able to tell you, but if it's, a, if it's for me to be able to tell you, listen, no matter what you're going through, I can smile even though devastation after devastation happens. I'm telling you, nothing in your life can cripple you to the point that you let it. You get up, you think of the things of God, you realize that God has a plan and purpose. He's too loving to to be unkind and too wise to make a mistake. Therefore, I know whatever is happening to me, God will use it. He will not waste it. He will not drop it. In fact, he will empower me. And maybe that all things is the doorknob to walk into your purpose. Listen, it wasn't God's plan or purpose for you to get hung up on drugs and alcohol from 15 to 21. But through foreknowledge, if God has given you the gift of speaking, when that happened, he already knew that would happen, and it empowers the path for your purpose. Where do you think you get your passion from? Those all things, those struggles. Listen, I can't tell you how many times I pray for people that are dealing with miscarriage And instantly I just begin to weep and I pray my guts out because I don't want you to deal with that. So that's the the power and purpose functioning in the kingdom of God. When someone dies or lost or struggle, no matter what it is, where do you think that passion to identify and say, man, I know what you're feeling. I I know where you're at, and and there's nothing I can tell you, but I'm here for you. I love you, and I will walk with you through this. There's nothing better than knowing that this person knows exactly what I'm going through. They're identifying with me. Your all things problem could be the power or the testimony for somebody else's next thing. The next thing. Number three, called. There is This is where we get insight to what we were put here for. Remember the prophecy about Jesus in Psalms 40, verses 7 and 8. It says, then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I desire to do your will. O oh my God, your law is within my heart. So, in other words, it was already determined. That's why the Bible says that Jesus Christ was crucified from the foundation of the world. God knew what would happen, he knew man would fall. He knew the purpose and plan of Jesus was to come down here and fulfill the law on our behalf so we could legally approach God. So, there like we said in Psalms 139, what is in the book? That has been given you passion to that we're supposed to be seeking out just as Jesus, his passion was to fulfill the law. What passion has God placed in the books that he has placed on the inside of you and, and you will carry it out and fulfill the purpose on this earth just like Jesus? See, it was Jesus' passion to do the will of his father. God has a will for you. The question is, do you have a passion to discover that will and to carry it out? Because that is what Christ did. But listen, Satan wants you discouraged, and he wants to keep you tied up in, in, in detriment, in legal litigation against you, all of these things. He wants you to feel like you're not worthy, Right? He brings you, and this brings me to the first, the fourth point, justified. Justified. That means rendered innocent. It's an act done in heaven when we receive Christ. In other words, it's just as if you never sinned. In heaven, you are justified. That means you stand before God righteous. Nothing that you did, it's all what Christ did. Innocent. So we have to understand that mercy, the the mercy of God, God wasn't merciful for merciful sake. God was merciful for the legal sake. Jesus paid the penalty because we think like God just up there wanting to give out mercy. He does, but he has a way that cannot be violated. In other words, that way is Christ. You must come to Christ. That's where the mercy, that's where everything you need. Christ opens the door to the things of God. God is legally merciful. That's a, that's good, that's a good thought if you think about it. Because Jesus was condemned in our place. So it does not violate the Old Testament. In fact, it empowers it. Now think about this being justified qualifies us in heaven. And it also qualifies us as ambassadors for Christ on this earth. Now listen, Satan wants you to focus on your sins you commit here. Then on top of that, he wants to define you by it. He wants you to be it. Satan wants you to focus on the condition instead of the position Christ has put you in. See, we're seated in heavenly places, right, with Jesus. But we aren't even looking for our seats. Because we're walking around with our head down. Listening to the voice of the accuser and he's throwing these accusations against you that hold no weight in heaven. Cause if he can't get it, he can't get it in the courts of heaven, he's gonna come down here and say, Hey, you can't go in God's presence. You, you did this. You thought this. But it holds no weight in the heavenly court of heaven because Jesus paid the penalty. And, and you know, we're walking this earth repenting. God, if there's anything in my heart, God, that, that is, you're not pleased with. I ask you to forgive me. Then Satan comes there and he's like, he didn't forgive you. He still you. I just talked to him. And that's what we do. God says, come boldly to the throne of grace. And we feel like we cannot even approach the door to go in. That's his plan. And that's what Satan does. He wants to condemn you, then cause you to fold your arms and to bow out of the things of God. Now, if we understand that we're justified in Christ, then that means we're justified to do the works of Christ. You see, Christ came to the earth and walked a perfect life. Just, he, he was justified so we could be justified. We, it's amazing when you think of Jesus. When you think of Jesus paying the penalty, listen. You cannot imagine that day on Calvary's cross. When you think about that day, it it brings tears to my eyes. It breaks my heart to see the innocent son of God dying because of me. Because of you. Willingly taking that penalty. Saying, Kelly, it's going to be okay. I'm absorbing it for you. And anyone else in here that, is, that will receive it. He is saying, I died so you can come to my Father. Now let me ask you something. What do you think the hindrance is? Listen. Legally, if we're justified before heaven, Jesus died for everyone, right? He died for the entire world. But is everyone going to heaven? No. Because see... No matter what he did, until it's put into practice, until it's that verdict is put in your own life, you cannot you cannot receive the things of God. Even though Jesus died. The legal aspect, he died for the entire world. It is only until you apply it by faith that it works. As powerful as it is. Listen, God places responsibility on us. We are to have the mind of Christ. We are to put on the armor of God. We have the power to speak life and death. The Bible says whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As powerful as God is... We are the ones that invoke everything on this earth, but you can't do it if you're walking around feeling condemned, if you're listening to the voice of the accuser. Listen, when we talk about binding and loosing, that's legal terms. It's binding a legal contract in place and loosing or dissolving an existing contract. Now, when you understand that, you start to believe, okay, well, I understand why Job Remember, Satan went and accused Job and said, and accused before God and said, Job is serving you for impure motives. Now, there was no Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, empowered because of the cross. He was always there, but yet that was not yet in place, the legal aspect of being justified before God. But Job's life proved that his, he didn't have impure motives. So what happened? It overturned the allegation and accusation that was against him. So when you think about it, what is going on in heaven on our behalf? Let me give you a testimony real quick of somebody that I was listening to, and and it really set everything in motion for me. It really made me understand. There, There was a man who his son had went through a divorce. It had been about two years. He was steeped in depression. He could not get out of this depression. Could you imagine praying for two years for the same situation? And this man was beating the door of heaven, asking God, binding and loosing, praying in tongues, weeping before God, crying out to God, saying, God, save my son. Bring him out of depression. He said, and the Lord revealed to him, said, I just want to let you know what's going on. You have been telling your wife that he's never going to get out of depression. You have been telling your wife that he is doomed. There's no way out. And Satan has been using that against you. He has been, he has been saying that his own father, who is his authority, is saying that he will never be free. And he said, once he got that revelation, he began to cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry that my words were doing that. Do you have Bible for that? Yes. Matthew twelve thirty six and 37. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak and the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Look at what this word means. This word idle means unemployed. Words used in laziness or uselessness. Those words were keeping his son bound because he had the authority in his life. Now, if you think about that, how much power do you have for praying for your kids? Now, think about this. He began to repent, ask God to forgive him. His son called him a week and a half later and said, Dad, depression has left me. And he's now pastoring a church. Praise God. Listen, we have power and authority on this earth, but we don't know what's going on. We always want to blame the devil, but what if we're the problem? What if we're the problem? We could be hindering our own prayers, coming into agreement Listen to this. Sometimes you may be targeted. Luke 22, 31 and 32. I want to read something to you. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Look at what the word demanded means in the Greek it means to demand for trial. So, if Satan is going around, is he able to find something in your life to accuse you with? Or are we stopping our own prayers? See, Satan must have known what Peter would accomplish. So he was wanting to go before God and disqualify Peter from doing what he was supposed to do. But Jesus said that I prayed for you. Now, this is before Jesus ascends to the right hand of God. So that it tells us that we have the ability to come in agreement with each other and pray about things. But even more so, since Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God, the Bible says when two or three agree, touching anything on heaven, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. So if we're two, Jesus sitting at the right hand, the Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession, we could be partnering with Jesus through the power of prayer. You should see this view. It's like, prayer, what's that? Listen, we have power in prayer. You say, yeah, but I've been praying about yeah, Okay, I understand that. I've been praying about stuff too, and I have yet to see it. But it fuels my passion to keep praying, to keep knocking, to keep beating, to keep asking. Right? Am I talking to a weary church, or am I talking to a church of Bible-believing Christians that have been through some stuff? Pick up the sword and start swinging that thing. Stand in the place that God has placed you in, take authority, bind it loose, pray in faith, believe with all your heart, and watch God move your mountain. I don't know how long it'll take, but you keep praying and keep believing. Listen, if you have the red carpet laid out and everything is going fine, two things. You're either lost and you're no threat and Satan's just trying to keep everything good, or maybe you're saved. And you're not in the realm of the purpose God has for you yet. Because let me tell you, if you are being fought tooth and nail, you're on to something. Because Satan will not fight what is not a threat. 1 Peter 5.8, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That means the devil can't just come to you and devour you. The word adversary is an opponent in a lawsuit, especially Satan. So is Satan trying to gather something on you to keep prayers from happening? He's plotting. Let me show you how this works. 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife in an understanding way as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, listen, the word hindered means to detain, to hold. So could it be that Satan comes down and and you're like, where do you want to eat? I don't know where you want to eat. I don't know where you want to eat. Just pick a place. I don't want to pick a place. Every time I pick a place, it's not the right place. Then you throw a fit. Don't talk to me like that. Why are you talking to me like that? It doesn't matter. I'm not hungry anymore. We're going home. Then you go to bed. You lay down. You get angry. I'll throw a joke in here because this was pretty funny. <laughs> I heard a joke. It's, it's actually funny. He said a man and his wife were not talking. They, they, you might have heard it during the week. It was during the week on, on, on Christian television, and it was hilarious. It said, my hu- husband and wife were arguing. They wasn't speaking to each other. The husband knew that he had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, so he wrote a note for his wife saying, wake me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He wakes up at 8 o'clock in the morning. He's aggravated. He goes to the, 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 the cabinet, and he sees the note, and it says, wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. The wife, had le- okay, all right, you didn't get that. The wife left a note because she didn't want to speak either. But what happens is all this discourse happens and then Satan rushes or whoever, evil, rushes to God's presence and says, oh, man, look, you can't answer their prayer. Because your word says if they have something against each other, it hinders their prayer. Now, how does that make you feel if your son or daughter is going on a far trip? And you need prayer for protection. Don't you want to do everything in your power to stay to keep that line of communication open for God? See, Satan is always looking for a way to detain, to detain your prayers, to detain your purpose, to stop it. In Luke 18, there's a story of a, of a judge, and there's a lady that keeps going before the judge and asking, and remember, back then, the lady did not have rights to go before the judge. She was a widow, so she didn't have a husband. She didn't have anybody to represent her. And the Bible says that this judge says, I don't fear God nor man. And this lady wasn't going for something extra. She was just going for her basic rights. And she kept knocking, and he said, I'm not getting up, I'm not answering. And finally, the judge gave up, because it literally says that, Uh, let me see where it says, Uh, this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now listen, we have a righteous judge who wants to answer our prayers. Don't think God's up there like, I'm gonna just make you sweat. I'm saying there's some things, and I really, 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 Anybody that that we that I talk to, I really believe that there's things that can hinder our prayers. Even though we're saved, bought with the blood of Jesus, on our way to heaven, there are some things in the Bible that will absolutely hinder our prayers. And we don't see things happening and we blame God. Listen, the Bible says that her adversary, it was her adversary. You know what that word means? anti It means against rights. That's what it means. Satan is our adversary trying to stop us from receiving the rights that Christ paid. So it's the same word being used. So this adversary could be having a case against us and we're praying and praying. We're falling for the devil's traps all the time, stumbling. Why do you think the Holy Spirit is always moving on our behalf? He's always saying, hey, watch your mouth. Calm down. Bring it down a notch. You're about to say something to get an offense. And that pride thing I've been working on with you, I know you're not going to buckle. And now you're going to go through a time where you're just going to be mad. And you need God to answer your prayer pretty soon. So keep your heart right. It's those little bitty steps of obedience that that will help the plan of action that the Holy Spirit has for you on this earth to carry out the plan and purpose that God has for us. So you, I want you to understand that. Listen, we're going to be closing up with this. There are things in, in the Bible that stop, right? I just spoke that. I just said that. You know, there's one thing the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. That means if I hold on to a pet sin and, and God's convicted me and, and I, I refuse to let it go, the Bible says that that can hinder. That's in Psalm 66:18. 18. The Bible says if you're presenting an offering and you remember that your brother has something against you, go make it right and then come back and be reconciled. Now, think about this. Some people are giving offerings, tithing, emptying out their bank account, and they're like, I don't understand what God's doing. Is there offense in your heart? Because that could literally tie up the blessings of God. Praying. You know, you could be praying, asking God, but inside you're mad, you're bitter, you're unforgiving. And God could be saying, release that so I can answer your prayer. Stop being hard-hearted. The, the very thing, like who you think you are to be mad at someone, and I saved you from the things that you did and you're still doing. Right? We're still doing stuff. That's where I, I'm like, oh, I forgive. I forgive God because I need forgiveness. I need mercy selfish motives according to James if we pray something me 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 the Bible says that our prayers could be hindered because of selfish motives the Bible says that if we turn away from God's law turn away from his word it can hinder our prayers in, in Proverbs 28 9 and then praying in doubting man we got to pray in faith pray believing When you move up from one situation to another situation, it don't matter what happened here. God, I believe. God, I'm going to keep going forward. God, it does not matter what happens in this situation in that situation. I'm going to take this situation at your word. I'm going to apply it and I'm going to believe it. And then the fifth and final point is glorified. So we talked about that. Justified, glorified justified on this earth and in heaven. When you, die before, when you die, you stand before God justified. But at the rapture of the church, our bodies will be glorified. Praise God. Some of us need new bodies. I'm tired of watching what I eat. And I don't like treadmills. That's of the devil. But listen to this. Joseph, look what all Joseph went through. Joseph, there was a plan and purpose. He survived every allegation. Right? Right? He, he, he. They had allegation against him. He'd go to prison. But what happened? He was glorified to the right hand of power. David, all the things that he went through. Yes, he committed adultery. Yes, he had someone killed. But listen, he was glorified to the king of Israel. How many times has Satan brought things against these people and they persevered and we were glorified to the position God called them to. Can we stand? Listen, you may be in a battle right now, and it could be very simple. Release the person you're holding offense against, keep your heart right amongst the people in your life. Small, things God is all powerful God is all knowing but he's not going to go against his own word he would he would go against who he is he says that he looks over his word he protects his word now if there are accusations being brought against you like we talked about with Job let your life silence those accusations and if God has thrown them out because you're justified listen these things are not so you will go to hell or heaven Justified is just as if you never sinned. But we just talked about things that can hinder our walk, hinder the purpose and plans that we have on this earth. That's what we're talking about here. So if you're praying and prayers are not answering, listen, here's the one thing about the judge story. She never addressed her adversary. She kept going. She went to the judge. So you go to the judge and say, God, I'm noticing I've been praying about something. And I'm not receiving an answer. So I need to, first of all, stop and say, God, is there anything in me that I need to change? Is there anything in me that I need to release? I'm not going to deal with the adversary. Satan's going to say, oh, you got this. He's going to have you chasing your tail. Go to God. The Bible says submit to God and resist the devil. So when you go to God, go to God in prayer. Say, Father, I'm praying about this situation, and I'm asking that you would answer. And then listen. Say, God, is there anything that, that I'm doing to hinder my prayer? Is there anything that I'm doing that's hindering my walk with you? First and foremost, I want to make that right. Am I regarding iniquity in my heart? And the God may say, yeah, you know this thing right here? I need you to remove that. Because I have this that I want you to walk in. You know that person that you're holding a grudge against? Do you realize that I'm trying to save them? But because of what you're doing to them, they don't want to have anything to do with Christians or church or Jesus. So if you would just be Christian and go make it right, humble yourself, that will unlock their destiny and they will come to me. Do we ever think in those realms? Listen, we only have a short time on this earth. Do you want to stand before God and see people go to hell and we were the cause? Do you know how many times I've had people tell me that their heart has been hardened because of things that they've seen in church or because a a believer said this or did this? Listen, let's humble ourselves before the hand of God and say, God, I just want to be used for your glory. Jesus died to save people, and I don't want to hinder them. I don't want to be the stumbling block a reproach to the work of Christ because I'm mad about some stuff. So can I encourage you, when you go home and pray, start your prayer of God, I thank you first of all that I have salvation through Jesus. Now I want to I pause here. Is anyone here would say that I know that I'm not right with God? I want to see your hand. Say, Look, I, if I went to court, I'd be condemned. I mean, purpose, plan, no matter what. Okay, I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise God. Oh, let, let's make that right first. Come on, we, we got a little bit time. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And it's not the prayer that saves you, it's if you meet it in your heart. I see your hand. Praise God. I see Amen. Father, we come in the name of your Son Jesus. Come on, repeat this prayer with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. I come to you asking you to forgive me of my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord. Thank you for the gift of pardon from my sins. Empower me to live for you all the days of my life. I will follow you I will serve you, Jesus, you are my Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray and ask. I want you to come up at the end of the service, and and let us know that you prayed that prayer, and we just want to talk to you. And for the rest of you, do what I've asked you to do. Just go home before the Lord, and say, God, is there anything in my life do you not think God will show you? God wants to fulfill purpose and plan and destiny in your life. That's his desire. That's his goal. So go to him. God, am I stumbling? Am I, is there anything in my life that's hindering? And I, and repent, ask the Lord to forgive you. And then walk in his mercy and forgiveness and do what he tells you to do. He's doing that for your, your own good, for you, for the joy. Come on. You want to be Joyful. I mean, I, aren't you tired of the mully grubs? Praise God. Are you tired of the mully grubs? you tired of just waking up feeling like, man, another day? No, you can wake up relieved, revived in purpose, in passion and really do something in this world for the kingdom of God. And when you stand before God on the day of judgment, you can look in that wonderful face of the master, Jesus Christ, and say, here I am, Lord. And you know what he'll tell you? Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm so pleased with you. Enter into the glory that has been set before you. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask. And the church said amen and amen. Praise God. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. God bless you and good night.